Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves. It's what our moms tell people when they hear that their sons got invited to Apple Park. <gasps> oh, heavens. I'm your host, hmm. Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. And maybe those laughs happen inside of the Apple Park campus. Maybe. Whoa. What's all this then? I know, I know. Pretty crazy. You're going to have to fill everyone in on, on what we're talking about. Yes, I will fill, I will fill the folks in. So this past Tuesday, I got to go to the Apple Park campus because my friend who uh, works at Apple had a holiday party and he invited me as his plus one because he knows how much I like uh, Apple and, and, and all that stuff. So he invited me as his plus one and I did get to go inside of Apple Park to go to the holiday party. It was very cool. What did you eat? Did they serve M1 chips? Yes, M1, uh, M1 fish and chips. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it was very good. It was, uh, they were basically just like appetizers, whatever, like spring rolls, samosas, uh, what else? I don't know. There was a, a couple of appetizer things. There was some good desserts. I had a nice pumpkin cheesecake. There was some tiramisu. They had hot cider and hot cocoa as well. It was a very, it was a very nice, uh, nice selection. That is, you know, I imagine that apple hot cocoa would be very good was the mug extremely minimal you know it was a normal uh like disposable what is it biodegradable compostable cup it was not really? a fancy mug no no milled aluminium mug i maybe they hid those when all the guests came maybe they have them usually but no it was a regular old regular old cup but no chamfered edges say, no no just I know, I know. It was the, you know, the cups, I will say the campus was very cool, but I want to say someone asked, did they serve apples? And the apples, uh, the hot cider was made from apples that were grown at the Apple Park campus. And that's that. Oh, wow. Did they take a bite out of them for you? Oh, yeah. Like, like, could you taste the bite that was taken out? That's part of the, like, yeah, they pick the apple, they take the bite out of it, and then they go and... You know, they, they process it or do whatever they're going to do with it. That's like, you know, that's how it works. That's pretty amazing. Now, here's here's my other question. How how integrated were Apple products into this? Like, did they have like iPads in this when, when people were checking in? Did they use iPhone terminals for any like was this all part of the Apple ecosystem? I would say largely it was. There was, uh, so my friend, you know, who the one who works at Apple, had some passes in his wallet, his Apple wallet. They did use QR codes instead of, like, NFC. Mm. But it was, like, you know, the pass in the wallet, and you go to, like, more information, and then it shows a QR code. And they scan that with an iPad. So, you know, overall, fairly integrated. Not perfect. Could, you know, pretty good. That's amazing. Um, they did use regular wristbands, you know, like paper wristbands to identify us. There wasn't like a fancy. Oh God. There wasn't well, like a fancy. Uh, no fancy, um, you know, computer vision, uh, or no. They didn't like give us, you know, an iPhone that was like our our identification iPhone that we would carry around with us. Nothing like that. That's kind of cringe. Not gonna lie. I know. I know. Like, but, uh, that's a missed opportunity if ever there was one. I know. I feel like I was kind of hoping they would just give us, you know, like you go to a holiday party, there's usually some kind of swag, something or other. I figured it would probably be an iPhone or maybe an iPad, maybe even a Mac. I don't know. I know. You would imagine. Right? I mean, it's the least they could do. It really, it's not like they don't have any lying around that they could use. Like, I know. Come on. So, did you see Tim? I did not see Tim. I was looking for Johnny Suruji. I hope I said his name right, because he is, this was like a, I think this party was for like the Apple, the people that work on like the Apple chips. And I know he's mm. like the, 
the head of that department. I didn't see him. He probably wasn't there, to be honest with you. Uh, but there were a lot of people there, and it was very cool. So I got to see the the, the cafe, the the main cafe at Apple Park. It's cafe like Max. Huge. Yeah, it was Cafe Max. It was yeah. huge. It was like three stories tall. There were like trees. It was like indoors, but there were like trees and stuff, like some of the Apple stores have. It was very nice. Um, and wow. then the outdoor area, the the full outdoor like the 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 field area inside of the campus was completely open so i you know we went out there we walked we did a loop around the around the campus we went to the um the activity arch or whatever it's called the multicolored arch um yeah and there was like some some pool some pond kind of thing with artificial waves in it it was all very cool it was very bro you gotta tell first of all can i do you think i'll die if i put up some of the pictures that you showed um, I think you could, okay, maybe the ones that are outside, you could do like one or two of those. I don't know. Okay. We're good. We're, we'll just do this one. That's fine. That's good. There's your That's proof. Good. Look, he was There's at the proof. rainbows. That, there you yes. go. Look at that. I think, that, I, I think that's a kind of a pretty good picture. I don't know. I think that is a good cool. picture. You got a good yeah. angle. Look at the black levels on the iPhone 14 Pro. Wow. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah, so we had, you know, we had this, and it was very interesting, you know, when you're in the middle, you're surrounded on all sides by the building, which is kind of weird. Like, you're looking around, and all sides you see this, like, you know, brightly lit, like, white circular thing. The windows were super clear. You heard, you know, the old story about how people mm-hmm. would run into the windows at Apple Park because they were so uh, <laughs> yeah. clear. And they, they, are, they are very clear. They must, dude... I feel like Apple is like such a micromanagey type of company that they probably have like this insanely specific routine and like special tools for cleaning the windows there. Dude, I honestly I don't think I would ever in a million years want to work at Apple. Yeah, I've judging by some people that I've talked to and the mm. general like feeling that I've got I, I I also agree with you. Yeah, I don't know. I, it seems like everyone is very overworked and doesn't know what they're working on, and there's not a ton of room for fun, from what I've heard. Yeah, like I've got it. Okay, here's the thing. This holiday party was super fun for me because I got to go mm. to Apple Park, and I that was like you know one of my bucket list items while I lived you know while I'm living here in California. I wanted to go to Apple Park, and I got to do it, so I'm super yeah. excited about that. But if you worked there, it would be pretty boring. They had they had the food, they had the the drinks, they did have alcohol as well. I didn't drink any, but they did have alcohol wow. as well. Um, and they had what did they have? They had a uh, an Apple Arcade station, which was just four big TVs with apple tvs and like controllers yeah, it was a cute it was a cute little thing but it was that's pretty you know, bare minimum yeah it was pretty bare minimum and then they had they had like uh two like photo opportunity stations but you would give them your phone and they would use your phone to take a picture of you which is not bad like you get the picture immediately and the phone camera's pretty good but it wasn't like you know professional photographer it was like you hand them your phone they take a picture for you what so it was just like a backdrop and a guy they had so one of them was indoors and they had like a background that looked like it could have been a mac os wallpaper it wasn't but it looked like it could have been so that kind of thing and Mm. then one of them was outside uh where you would get the arch in the background and they did have like big lights set up to have good lighting in the picture but you'd basically just walk up you'd hand your phone to someone one of the apple you know employees whatever and they would take a picture of you so they had that they had the the arcade Uh, they had this karaoke thing and literally my friend and i walked in there and the person like running the karaoke thing was singing was doing the karaoke and there were like five other people in the room that were just watching (laughs) and no one was like doing it and then we left oh dear oh see that that honestly first of all at the photo op if they did they have like a bucket and if someone handed them an android to take photos they just like threw the phone away yeah yeah they had that remember that like apple that like um that robot thing that would disassemble the the iphones and they showed that off in a video oh yeah 
Yeah, yeah. They had one of those, and if you had an Android phone, they would just hand it to the robot. Dude, that was actually kind of a cheeky little scam thing, because I'm pretty sure when they showed... Th that got event time, that little robot that takes apart the phone. I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure they have one of those, and it can only take apart iPhone 6 or whatever. <laughs> and, like, that's it. it. It's just, like, a robot in a room that they feed iPhone 6s, and it takes them apart. It, like, does not make any difference in the grand scheme of things, but it got, like, five minutes of event time. Yeah, yeah. I like I barely remember that thing, but I do remember like the video about it. It had some name. I forget what it was called. Yeah. It was like a it was like Lucas or not Lucas, but it was like some like name. I, I feel thought like it was, it was like a maybe name. it might have been it was called Daisy. Oh, Daisy. Okay. So it can apparently it can disassemble up to 200 iPhones per hour or 1.2 million iPhones per year. And well, apparently they must have done some like PR push in like May of this year because a couple of YouTubers got to go look at it. Hmm. And it looks cool. like it's in Converge Engineering. They like, oh no, you're kidding me. What? Remember I said that it was taking apart iPhone 6s? Yeah. I, I I think that's what it's still doing. Really? Let me... Oh, no. Those are f iPhone 5s, bro. Really? Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's taking apart iPhone 5s. But like how how many of those are left to be taken apart? I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of them left, but like is it doing is it doing multiple models? That's what I want to know. It seems like it pulls out yeah. batteries and then it's like drilling some holes at it looks like it's unscrewing the home buttons. Oh no, I don't think it does anything that doesn't have a home button. Oh. And then it's pulling up the logic boards. Yeah, okay, these are I'm I'm looking at a photo here of the bucket of the screens that are taken off and there is nothing newer than an iPhone. I guess they could be up to an iPhone 8. But there is nothing here without a home button. What about the SE? What about the the new SE? I mean, I guess so, but I can't imagine there's that many of those being recycled, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it seems like they're not really doing a ton with this, but there was a report here from January 11th, 2020. Oh, no. How many are we down now? Is this that's just two down, right? Two down. Wow. Well, that's that's a pretty good pace. Yeah, not too bad. So Oh. Well, that's not great. Apple in in this report, they emphasized two Reuters that Apple isn't competing with companies who mine for resources. They said, we're not necessarily competing with the folks who mine. There's nothing for miners to fear in this development. Do you know what that means? What's that? That means that there's n they're not getting anywhere near all of the materials that they could out of that process. Yeah... I don't know. And then what are they... I want to know what they're even doing with with this. Like, I guess they disassemble the phone and then, you know, I don't even know what they're doing with the... I guess they're trying to get some of the metal and stuff out of it, but, like, how much can you really get out of yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, they can get... I, I think they search for, like, tungsten, gold, aluminum, of course, cobalt... The all the rare earth metals that are necessary for electronics manufacturing, but it's like 
this is, I would argue, a little bit performative. Um, Kyle Weens, CEO of iFixit, said that Apple has this ego that believes they can get all their minerals back and it's just not possible. I mean, it would be amazing if they could because think about how many electronics are out there in the world right now. You could basically end up in this infinite loop, pun intended, of electronics just being made and remade and made and remade, right? But as they're pointing out here, the case is recyclable, like the aluminum on an iPhone 5, 6, 7, the rails on the 8, I guess, like those are recyclable for sure, pretty easily, because it's just an aluminum frame that you can melt down and purify. But when it comes to taking metals out of logic boards or batteries, the the returns on that are, are probably not not what you would ideally want to have happen. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, as much as it would be great for that to improve, I guess from Apple's perspective, they've done enough to be like, we're doing something, we're trying, whatever, and then they're like, yeah, oh, okay, that's it. That's the problem. Here, here's the problem with... Uh, environmental consciousness for businesses. So there's a sort of a twofold thing, which is number one, a good thing that consumers have finally put their money where their mouths are and and we demand uh, that companies are conscious of social issues. There's a whole thing. I took a whole class in college where we talked about corporate social responsibility their entire job postings for CSR positions. And basically it comes down to, uh, we're at a point in, I, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a trend, but we're at, a, we're at a stage where people, consumers, demand that companies are not flagrantly wasteful, right? If you spill oil in the Gulf, we're going to get mad at you. If you, you know... Completely, if you just set fire to pits of toxic materials, people aren't going to want to buy your stuff. So these companies have a demonstrable incentive to at least have the appearance of being climate friendly. And that's good. That gets you somewhere, right? Because there is a reason for Apple or any big company to make these moves because at the end of the day all companies are realistically self-interested and heartless right they're in it to make money everyone's afraid of the next guy being mad at them for not making enough money all the way up through the board and then to the shareholders right so everyone's afraid that they're not going to make enough money so money's the driving factor and when it makes you money to be eco-friendly you will do that however the disconnect comes in the PR benefit of eco-friendliness versus the actual attainable reality of eco-friendliness. And so Apple, it makes sense for them to develop this robot that can get you a couple of minerals here and there and get you to fly in some press to talk about your cool robot, right? That doesn't cost a ton of money. It generates good PR and news and gives people a warm, fuzzy feeling. And they think, oh, my phone's just going to get turned into another phone. It's the cycle of life. And that means that I can upgrade my iPhone without worrying about my environmental impact. The problem is it's it's kind of skin deep, right? It, it faces the public, but it doesn't actually make a huge difference to the company. And that's... The issue that we're going to have for the foreseeable future until we reach a point where it makes more financial sense for Apple to mine materials from their own recycled products than it does to pull them out of the earth. They're not going to do it on a broad scale.
That's just how yeah, it's going to work. And this also goes to the same thing because some people in the chat are talking about someone said if Apple really cared about the environment, they would let people repair their products. That's what someone said. And I completely agree. But it's, again, one of those Absolutely. things where Apple is sort of picking and choosing uh, you know what they want to do. So they'll say, mm -hmm. you know, every time they announce a new product, they always say, you know, it's it's uh, sustainably sourced and and whatever. They have that whole like checklist of of uh, of things that it doesn't have bad things in it and it was sourced from whatever whatever. They have that whole thing and they're like, okay, that's good for the environment. We like that. They can talk about like their trade-in program. They can talk about these robots that they have and they can do these things. And then they do things that are bad for the environment, like. The restrictive uh, behavior around repairs, and you know, basically in their eyes, if they've yep. done enough to say that they care about the environment, then they've done enough, and they don't have to do everything. And, and to a point, that's understandable that you don't. Yep. You know, you have a lot of things to worry about, and the environment is one that you should worry about. But there are other things as well. But obviously, Apple and most companies could do more. I don't think any company is near the point where they've done too much for the environment that they're like, okay, you can focus on something else. I don't think any yeah. company is anywhere near that. And Apple definitely could do, you know, a lot, a lot more there. I agree. I think a great example of this is carbon credits. Mm -hmm. Carbon credits are the number one performative bullshit that gets companies off the hook gives them a little PR thing that they can put on their website and does absolutely nothing. Uh, I mean, like, for example... <laughs> oh, no. We're already down three out of six. Oh, crap. Um, in Apple's case, they make a, a, a lot of fuss about recycled aluminum. Almost all Macs and iPhones use recycled aluminum. Which, of course, makes sense because when you look at a MacBook, the, re the aluminum is extremely accessible and recyclable. The, pro the, the problem is those other materials like you find in your battery, your display, and uh, your, your logic board itself, those materials are manufactured into complex multi-part products. And that's a lot harder to extract resources from. With a MacBook, it's very easy. I could at home with a screwdriver and a little bit of effort, I could just strip down a top case, right? Use some solvents, pull out the battery. Uh, you could get through the keyboard just by punching it out, basically. Obviously, you're not, you're not trying to do this in a way that you're trying to keep things intact, right? So you could just punch the keyboard out, uh, pop the rivets, and you're good. You've got yourself a top case, melt that boy down, and you're done, right? Easy. But that is like a very, very easy thing to recycle. And aluminum, the process of gathering aluminum, isn't in itself a particularly difficult process. Nowhere near as hard as making a lithium-ion battery. And so, as you're saying, Noah, it's a, it's a very easy, low-effort thing to say, oh, look, 100% recycled aluminum. But they haven't even attempted to do anything with AirPods AirPods are just e-waste waiting to happen. The fact that they design those things that are entirely just glued together, these tiny little parts, almost nothing in there is recyclable. And I'm sure with a quick Google, uh, a quick Google search here, I could just type in AirPods e-waste and find an image of just piles of and piles mm -hmm. of AirPods. It's, I mean, it, it does not take long to find, oh, yeah, I already got a big pile of AirPods. It's, it's, you know, you can pat yourself on the back for the easy step, but it's not an effective step. Yeah. The AirPods are really unfortunate because so I had the original, let's see, I had the original AirPods Pro. No, I had the original AirPods, the very first gen AirPods, and, and they served me very well. Uh, the battery like really, you know, went at the end. So I had to, I had to upgrade. And then those are basically, those are just e-waste now. Yeah. Then I had the AirPods Pro Absolutely. first generation and I used those for like 
two and a half years or something. I used it for a very long time, and I love them. Um, but I did have to get the earbuds replaced, so my original earbuds became e-waste. And now the case on that uh, won't charge... Like, it's having trouble charging the left bud. Oh my god, that almost hit me. Actually, it did hit me. <laughs> a little bit. So, um, so the original... So now I have new, newish buds for those AirPod Pro 1, but the case is having problems. And they did the diagnostics, and they found that the case had a problem. So those are sitting in my drawer, and they're kind of not... Like, I would give them to someone else, but, like, the left pod doesn't really charge so it's you know kind of pointless and then i got the airpods pro 2 which i love but i had to get the left airpod replaced almost immediately because it had some kind of problem where it wouldn't charge so that left airpod became e-waste so it's just i love the airpods and i get Mm. a lot of use out of them every time i buy them i use them every day you know multiple hours a day but at the end of the day they become e-waste and even more than you know than other things like i've had to get those replaced more uh, than other things, and when they have to get replaced, it's the whole thing. They just give you a new pod or a new case or whatever, and there's no repair. There's no. There's really nothing they can do with them, like you said. Yeah, it's, and and then you know, there's there are a lot of very, there are a lot of very vague and and good sounding but hollow things that you can do. Uh, most of most of what companies do now in terms of environmental work is not actually reducing their impact, which would be, you know, Apple making AirPods not terrible for the environment. What most people focus on is offsetting. And I personally would argue that that is a bad approach. I don't think, you know, if you're saying like, okay, well, I'm destroying an ecosystem to get the material and then putting this back into the ecosystem in an undecomposable waste for a thousand years but i'm planting a couple of trees like i don't really think that that is the same thing you're you're just sort of shifting the pieces around and trying to remove the responsibility from your shoulders for example i just pulled up here apple's uh, environmental progress report for 2022 and one of their big things on here uh, is carbon removal so in 2021 they started this fund called the restore fund with Cons- conservation international and goldman sachs and they put 200 million dollars into this now Apple's revenue in 2021 was $394.3 billion. And their profit in 2021 was $170 billion. So this whole page about, you know, we're restoring over 1 million metric tons of carbon by investing in nature-based solutions. And these big flashy $200 million numbers, well, $200 million out of $170 billion? Uh, could I get a quick percentage check on that? It's not good. 200 out of... Is that 200 out of 170,000? Does that reduce correctly or is it 1,700? Tell me again. What was it? It's it's two hundred million out of a hundred and seventy billion. Uh, that's like, and then wait, we have to multiply by a hundred to get percent, right? So it's like point one percent, point one two percent, or something. Yeah, point one two percent. So if you make if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year. After taxes, or let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars a year after taxes, uh, that would be like you donating a hundred and twenty dollars and going and posting online and being like, "Look at this! I am gonna save the planet." That's that's absurd. Yeah, yeah, right. 
Like, are you kidding I me? I mean, in, in this case, the the thing is, is that Apple makes so much money that 0.1% actually ends yeah. up being like a lot in terms of uh, like absolute value, but in terms of relative value, obviously, it's very tiny. And you get these like weird phrases like, by 2030, we aim to use initiatives like the Restore Fund to remove enough carbon dioxide from the atmosphere to cover the direct emissions across our value chain that we are unable to avoid directly. That sounds like a little bit of a cop-out, if you ask me. Uh, You're basically saying, in a 10-year period, we aim to just barely meet a set of emissions that we have specified as a small portion of our total emissions that we don't really feel like removing. Bro, you have made... $170 billion in one year. And you're going to say, oh, we need 10 years to just match this small portion of stuff that we can't be bothered to do anything else about. This is not, this this is nothing more than PR fluff. There is no substance to any of this. And and this isn't just Apple. Obviously we talk about Apple here. Any large corporation, they all are 100% net negative environmentally speaking. I I I do not believe there is a single company out there that is anything more than performatively interested in the environment. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, Apple Apple could be doing a lot more and you could definitely argue you could very easily argue and i would agree that apple has an obligation i think any company that is making an outsized impact on the environment has an outsized responsibility to take care of it like all these things you know very easy Absolutely. to say like oh you know it's the consumers like drive your you know uh you know use less electricity turn your lights off whatever whatever and not that that's not going to help but when you compare the impact of like an average person to the impact of a company, it's a, a very big difference. So I think, you know, if you have an outsized impact Absolutely. on the environment, you have an outsized responsibility to uh, to, you know, make up for it. But I think, you know, there just isn't enough. You know, companies are legally obligated or, or directors of companies are legally obligated to act in the interests of the company. They're legally obligated to do the things exactly. that they need to do to help the company, you know, succeed and make money and, and, and whatever. And so part of that, I think when you look at the environmental stuff that Apple and these companies have done, is that legally or, or not legally, but like obviously if they didn't do anything for the environment, that would be a very bad look. And so if they need to act in the in the interests of the company, it is in the com- the company's interest to appear like they care about the environment and they do stuff to to, to help it. But if you go too far, I say too far, like, you know, if you if you go, you know, very far and, and you pour lots of money and, and effort into the environment, then, you know, it can come up like, is this really in the best interest of the company to be spending so much money on this this other thing? And so that's where, you know, the legal system can come in, things like the Green New Deal and, and other laws that uh, that could potentially be passed mm-hmm. that would make it in the company's best interest. Or people, you know, the people that express that this is a very important thing to them, again, makes it more in the company's interest. But that's the only way that you're going to see more, uh, more, you know, focus on the environment. And things are better now than they were before, but there's still, you know, a long way to go. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's just the issue. It It has to be in the interest of the company, which is inherently not the interests of the planet. Uh, There was one line in here that I find particularly galling, which is, we believe that this can be done while achieving a financial and environmental return on our investment. So the whole like gimmick of this fund is they think that they can... uh, restore they think they can remove carbon 
per year while also profiting from carbon removal. Now, I would argue that that is inherently the direction that we want to go. Removing carbon and having it be profitable is probably the only way that we collectively get out of this mess. Because as we've discussed, companies are not going to just voluntarily, out of the goodness of their hearts, sacrifice profit for the environment. So, I agree that the goal being profitability is probably a good thing, but it just reads a little bit pathetic when you talk about Apple bragging about investing 0.12% of their gross profit and they think they can make their money back. Like, it is not a very glowing endorsement when you are investing such a tiny, tiny fraction and you think you're going to get it back. You know what I mean? I feel like that just kind of undercuts the altruisticness that they're trying to put off in this piece. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's just, you know, they're they're doing what they need to do to uh, to satisfy customers or to appear like they're doing something and and that's about it and it's better than nothing but it's you know far from from you know what it should be or what it could be gosh this got a little bit depressing i know it was like fun like ooh, party at apple park and then all of a sudden it's like wow apple hates the environment oh gosh this is a little bit cringe here they a very decent portion of their environmental uh, summary here is talking about energy consumption of the devices. So they say that product energy use accounts for 22% of the gross carbon footprint. Uh, and so they're talking about Mac Mini uses up to 60% less energy than the previous generation because of Apple Silicon. So if you're talking about product energy in total, accounting for 22% of your gross carbon footprint, and you're talking about a Mac Mini as a subset of that using 60% less, that is the tiniest little fraction, the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest little portion of already only 22% of their footprint like I, I don't know it's like you, you're you're kind of it, I think it speaks very broadly to the fact that this is a 128 page document that goes on and on and on to talk about these very very like specific pieces without really addressing the main thing like you know you kind of go through all of this thing and you see expanding access to renewable electricity and they they keep they keep seeing these like little qualifiers right helping our suppliers find energy solutions and make the right investments to address their specific needs that doesn't mean we are clean energy full stop that means we are working to look into potential ways to improve. Like, you add all of these little qualifiers on it, and you start to realize, oh, this isn't doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the in the long term, you know, like, I guess if you zoom out and take the overall view of this, it's a lot of very small things that add up to something but the what it adds up to yeah. is not as big as you know Apple might want you to think. Yeah. Ugh. What the heck? I think it's interesting that you brought up the uh, the personal consumption part of it because that's honestly I think something that we need to collectively unlearn. I think. Uh, and and th actually, it's not even really a think. It's a coordinated effort, especially in the case of plastic, 
uh, you know all of those reduce, reuse, recycle, blah, 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 all of those campaigns, most of these things were actually created by the plastic industry because they figured that, you know, if you offset the blame and, and say, oh, well, it's not us, it's that you're consuming too much stuff, then you sort of put consumers in the position to accept that blame. And obviously there are things that consumers can do, but sometimes it is legitimately out of our control. I mean, I find it personally laughable when, you know, people say, oh, you should really make sure to separate out your recyclables and and you should really make sure that everything that you can recycle is put in proper recycling. When only like 10% of what you put in the recycling actually gets recycled. That's not your fault. That's the fact that the things that you're buying, because that's the only thing that you can buy, is not actually recyclable. And they have sort of tricked you into thinking that it's recyclable, because if you actually look into those little triangle recyclable logos, those don't always mean that it will be recycled. That just means that theoretically, in perfect conditions, it could be. But if it's not profitable, it might not be. And so, you know, I, I think that it's unfair to the consumer to say that, you know, you individually are to blame when all of these large companies are effectively giving you that obstacle course. You know, 60, 70 years ago, your milk would be delivered in a glass bottle and when you were done, you put it out and it got collected. That is reducing, reusing, and recycling all in one. But now, I mean, good luck trying to find milk that comes in a glass. And if it does come in a glass, a glass, it's probably some like aesthetic, minimal, like lifestyle brand. And it's like a, a gallon of milk costs $40 or something. That It's not on you that you have to spend five times as much for like lifestyle environmentalism. It's on the companies that are forcing stuff on you because it's more profitable for them. Yeah. And then, you know, the problem is you can, you can push back on it and you can say like, you know, these companies should do better and maybe let's say that they, they will actually do better uh, and it costs them more. And then guess what? The costs will get passed on to the consumer. So you're going to end up paying for it either way. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's just, I don't know. I, how do you get back from that? And, and it's also, you know, we kind of go down a, I feel bad that we got into this about midway through the podcast because I wanted to talk about my iPhone 3G mm. unboxing and uh, do a little recap for 2022 and the things that we like the most. But it really does feel a little bit weird now to go, you know, to be like, wow, Apple is is performatively endorsing environmentalism while actually doing very little about it. And then to go, hey, the new MacBook Air is pretty nice. Yeah, it, it does. It does feel a little weird, but we could we could try this. How about uh, instead of buying okay. a new iPhone, you are reusing mm. or using for the first time mm. this iPhone 3G that was already made so that's you know that's sort of your environmental contribution here oh yes i have kept this iphone 3g from ever being reintroduced to the environment because it was never used and therefore depleted exactly exactly and you know what noah i'm pretty i'm pretty amazed that the battery in that thing lasted because those are those are the, some of the biggest contributors to e-waste and the most you know disposable part of our electronic society and the fact that that iphone after 14 years in a box just charged right up and just works that kind of blew my mind that is actually pretty impressive and i guess maybe it speaks not i guess you know it feels weird to be trying to like give apple some credit i don't know if it speaks to their battery technology or yeah. it doesn't but i've definitely run into that case 
uh, where I had I found this little I was you know home on the East Coast and I found this little action camera, uh, not not a GoPro but like some other brand of action camera in my room and I was mm-hmm. like oh you know I'll take this back and I'll put it on my bike and I'll and I'll try it out but the battery doesn't work so the battery is completely shot like if I plug mm-hmm. it in it'll work but the battery's shot so it's like oh, I had this thing yeah. I would use and you oh. know, it's, you know the battery doesn't work but that's really awesome yeah 14 years sitting in a box and it works so the battery works it charges it holds the charge and all that it's all good yeah the phone honestly i mean it is a new phone but it feels also like a new phone you would not know that that phone has been in a box for 14 years because it just woke up and it was like, hey, what's up? What's up? I'm an iPhone 3G. Where's my network at? And then I had to be like, uh, got some bad news for that one, unfortunately. Uh, the 3G, it's not it's not really going. It's not going to happen there, buddy. Uh, so I felt bad in that regard. But, you know, I honestly was not expecting that. I was kind of expecting it to be fake because as far as I can tell from looking on YouTube, I don't believe that anyone has ever unboxed a real iPhone 3G since launch on YouTube that I could find. Like, uh, so the most prominent one that I can find is... Everything Apple Pro, he used to do this whole series of unboxing sealed things. He did one on the 3G, and it was a it was a scam. Oof. Yeah, so it was not real. I think I Justine managed to get a 3GS, uh, but apart from that, I don't think that anyone has ever you know outside of the last 10 years nobody has unboxed an iPhone 3G that's crazy until now that is that is crazy that's really cool so i'm trying to see if if uh the iPhone 3GS was at least legitimate because it's these these videos for whatever reason have on on like everything Apple Pro on iJustine, people are really tuned into these original. Oh no, she got scammed. Oh. oh yeah, that's fake. That is not. Oh, well okay. So there you go. I apparently have the only iPhone 3G or 3GS that was actually real on all of YouTube since launch. That's pretty crazy. I don't I haven't gotten a chance to watch this video yet and I do want to watch it. Do you address in the video where you got it from cuz I am kind of curious. So I I actually got it from a private collection through connections and whatnot. And I know that that one of the other things that uh was in circulation and has I, I so I'm trying to get a video on this uh, but sort of adjacent to how I got this phone I know of another individual who has purchased a legitimate original sealed iPod the original iPod and I, I I'm still working on this because I would love to do this video not unboxing it because that is worth an obscene amount of money but i am potentially hopefully fingers crossed gonna be able to do a video i i basically want to offer this person like hey let me go get this authenticated and make a video on that because i think that would be really cool i want to like get it x-rayed take it to an auction get it examined um it has like pretty good chain of custody and like receipt history, but I think that would make a very interesting video. So hopefully that will be possible. Yeah, that would be super awesome. I don't know. You got you got some good connections now. You're getting a lot of cool stuff. 
I know. I, I am working on... My all-time goal is to get a sealed power book. Yeah, that would be cool. I... Because... So, the, the really interesting thing is that... Uh, sealed iOS devices have a market like when you look at the iPod and the iPhone especially the original iPhone as you might imagine there's a huge market for those but when it comes to the Mac it's really not the same Uh, most of the Mac stuff at best is seen as new old stock and it's not really as collectible but I find it to be some of the most interesting because Apple's you know packaging and the stuff that you get uh, and the lasting, you know, the, the the lifespan of those products in boxes is a lot longer. If you if you recall, I did end up getting a brand new in box 2008 MacBook Pro, and that thing was was absolutely immaculate. It had its original box. It had its original shipping box. So the box within the box was perfect too. And that one did actually have a swollen battery, but the batteries in every Mac before like 2009 are such that it wouldn't usually damage the product so you just remove those batteries and they can basically last forever uh, which is really really cool yeah that's that's super awesome and I know you have obviously I'm not going to spoil anything but there are some other cool uh, some other cool projects coming down the line Oh, yeah, that's a good point there, Mr. Noah. So, I... The the sealed iPhone 3G is not the only sealed device that I have a video coming on this month. Hmm. And I think... It is safe to say that the other sealed product that I'm going to show you guys is one that nobody has ever reviewed. Wow. It is a completely unique video, exclusive, first in the world. The only thing that you will ever see about this is on my YouTube channel. Whoa. And I know that sounds grandiose, but that I fully believe that that is the case. That is a bold. So are you saying even even you yep. know you're you're t- you have the sealed product, but even like unsealed normal yes. video doesn't exist. Um, I would say to the degree that I will be presenting it. There are zero other videos that exist of this product. Wow. That is very cool. And we're talking yeah. about Apple. So, yeah. Damn. That is, that's crazy. That is very exciting. Oh, no. Sorry to derail, but... I was about to take a sip of my water, but a bug fell in it and died in the water. Oh no, it's not dead. Oh man, he's not hes not doing so hot. I'm not going to take a sip out of that. Anyway, I will go on parched. So brave. So I've got a lot of, a lot of people are making guesses. People are saying G4 Cube. Someone say it's a product from before 2005 since there's no video of it being unboxed. Interesting logic because YouTube, of course, didn't exist before then. Uh, someone saying, wait, it's a Newton. That would be really, really cool. I think you guys are going to be surprised. That's all I'll say. I don't want to give it away. Uh, I'm not 100% sure of the timing on this video, but... I think it, it it should be before Christmas, so you won't have to wait that long. Okay, that's uh, pretty soon. Oh, that video might honestly break 
the tech news internet. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Oh, gosh. That is very exciting. I don't remember if you've <laughs> told me what this is or not. I don't think you did. Did you? I think I did. Oh, I might have missed it in my in the chat history. I'll have to take a look. But uh, But that is very cool. And then, oh, you know what? I think maybe it is what I think it is. But uh, with these last five minutes we have here, do mm. we want to reflect on 2022 yes. a little bit? Because this will be our last episode of the year, I think right? we should. Yeah, I mean, let me let me pull up El Calendario. That means calendar. Uh, yeah, we're off next week. We're off the week after that because it's a literally Christmas Day. <laughs> uh, I don't think many people are going to be like, hang on, Grandma. Don't serve the casserole. I got to watch Dark Mode. So we're going to be off then. And right after that, it's January 1st. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's very exciting because I believe we are going to have... I don't see any reason not to. I think we're doing a January 1st podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be a great way to to ring in the new year and uh, and look forward to another year of, uh, of stuff. And hopefully not throwing it away yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean i mean do we want to go through and do a top three i i made a video doing a uh, a tier list of everything that came out this year i'm curious to hear your top three in terms of things that are actually good mm, i gotta think all right let's see and then maybe a bottom okay, two okay i think the Apple Watch Ultra's got to be in that top three somewhere. I'm just trying to think of like the products that mm. I've that I've bought this year. So the Apple Watch Ultra is one of them, and I really like it. I really like the battery life. I like the side button. There's some nice quality of life improvements. And I was ready. You know, I had a Series Five. We both had Series Fives. I was looking for an upgrade, mm. and the Ultra is just, you know, it's a it's a pretty big upgrade. And when we discussed when it came out. The pricing, it's not cheap. Believe me, it's not cheap. But for what it is, you know, it could have been a lot more expensive. So overall, I think the Apple Watch Ultra is very solid, and I'm, I'm, happy, with, uh, I'm happy with that. So that's one of my top three. And then... I would put that in my okay, top three, okay. too. I'm trying to think of what else got released. So I think... I feel like the MacBook Air is probably probably has to be in there because the macbook air and i don't have one to be clear but i feel like the macbook air was due for an upgrade and it got a lot of the things Mm. that made the macbook pro great you know it basically got the macbook pro uh redesign missing some features obviously because it's the macbook air but i think it was a very solid upgrade and I've only seen it very briefly i've seen the ones that you have and i've seen them in the apple store but they're like super thin and light and just really nice. So that's maybe another one for the top three. I've got one behind me. It's fantastic. Nice. I So the, the MacBook Air, I would put that at number one if not for the fact that it is just a bit too expensive. I think if they had put it at $999, instant number one, right? you get everything and more but the problem is you get everything and more and you pay more also so for that reason i don't know um it's also i think if you spec it out just a little bit too close to the macbook pro 14 uh it basically basically the macbook air is a great product that is great in a very 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 specific circumstance and that is essentially the base model MacBook Air upgraded to 512 gigabytes and on sale. That is the very, very narrow sweet spot for that MacBook Air being perfect because the base model at retail is a bit too expensive and the base SSD is a bit slow. Um... I mean, the fact that you pay $200 more for slower storage than the M1 is kind of mind-boggling to me. And then the problem is if you 
if you did want to spec it out and get the the full eight core uh, the 10 core GPU and get some RAM 16 gigs you're already at 1700 bucks at which point you might as well buy the 14 inch MacBook Pro so it's got a narrow sweet spot of like if you find the 512 gigabyte version on sale for like 200 bucks off best thing you could possibly buy but it's it's close I would say up there for me has got to be the Mac Studio. Yeah, yeah. It's just... And, again, there's some caveats. It's pricey. It's not upgradable. It could have been storage upgradable, but they chose, frustratingly, and contrary to their environmental approach, to make it not upgradable. But, for the size and function of that thing it is absolutely incredible what they were able to do uh when i compared it to my pc with a core i9 12900k in the rtx 3090 back in march it was honestly not that far off and you know a lot of people were disappointed they were like oh bro it's not as fast as a 3090 i'm like dude look at the thing it uses less power to run the entire Mac Studio, which is air-cooled with two fans and never makes a noise at all that you can hear, and it uses less powerful than, it uses less electricity than just the graphics card in an RTX 3090 build. The, the efficiency, the packaging, and the system overall is phenomenal. It's absurd how good that thing is. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, that's not one, uh, that's not a product that is, you know, one that I would be looking at to own. Uh, it's just, you know, not really for me, mm-hmm. but definitely for you. Overkill? I know, I know. And I say that with my MacBook Pro sitting over <laughs> here uh, with the, you know, specced out MacBook Pro. Um, but, you know, no, yeah. the Mac Studio is a great one. I'm going to give a shout out to the AirPods because I know that you're not a big AirPod user and I feel Mm. like someone's got to say it. I think that the AirPods Pro 2 uh, have a bunch of nice, relatively small upgrades. I like the ability to adjust the volume by swiping on the thing. It works pretty well. I think they do sound a little bit better. I think the noise canceling is noticeably better overall. There's just a lot of little things. Uh, You know, you can charge it with the Apple Watch charger, which is nice. I don't do it very often, but it's, you know, nice to have. Uh, The fact that you can track the buds and the case as three separate items in the Find My app is very cool. So there's a lot of small small things. Speaker in the case, whatever, whatever. I could go on. But uh, there's a lot of small things that Mm. it does, and I think it's a solid overall package. And I had the AirPods Pro 1 since launch. And so, you know, I use them for a long time and the Pro 2s came out and I got them and I'm happy. So, uh, so I think I got to give them a shout out. And then very briefly, let's do the, uh, the bottom tier. I think we got to put the iPad there, the, the, the new regular iPad. Oh yeah. Too expensive. iPad 10 is right too, at the bottom It's too for expensive. Me. The, the, uh, accessory ecosystem thing is weird. I don't know. It's just, 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 just Ugh. a weird one. I would also, this might take some people aback, but I would put the MacBook Pro M2 on that list too, right at the bottom. Mm, that's fair. It is, I mean, I guess it's just a spec bump or whatever, but like, bro, lazy. It still has a touch bar. Come on. It's a pointless product, and it's so close to the MacBook Air that there's no reason to boss it. There's no possible reason to buy the thing yeah i feel like Ugh. you could even put uh, you could put the the ipad pro uh on that list you know it got the mm. m2 which it doesn't need it didn't get the sideways camera yeah and it didn't get this detachable keyboard whatever thing i don't know that was like another nothing upgrade that was not very interesting yeah i would also I guess to round this out, it's not really a uh, a bad product, more so a missed mm. product, and that is the iMac. 
the poor iMac has been so neglected. The and the new M1 iMac and that design is phenomenal. I use my M1 M1 iMac base model all the time. I love it. But they put it out over a year and a half ago and then they just forgot about it. We don't even have we don't have a larger one. You can't get a more powerful one. The iMac was such a great I, I it's it makes me sad because this is the weakest the iMac has ever been in its 24 year history. And I don't know, it's just a little sad to me to see the iMac so neglected. Yeah, they definitely need that's a 2023 thing. They got to do a new they got to, you know, they got to put the M2 chip or M3 chip or whatever in the iMac. Absolutely. They got to do a bigger one. Both. They got to do the Pro. They got to bring the Pro back. There's there's a lot of work to do in the iMac section. I want ProMotion. I want Mini LED. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And the last thing, I'm hoping. Yeah, no, that, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying that I'm hoping that next year we'll see a diversification in higher end apple products with apple silicon because right now the mac studio is pretty much the highest that it goes i would love to see a new pro display xdr i'd love to see a studio display with mini led i want to see mini led starting to come to more things uh 11 inch ipad pro should get it i think uh maybe not the macbook air but maybe they do a 15 inch macbook pro or a, a 15 inch macbook air uh, I want to see an iMac with mini LED. Like I, I think that Apple Silicon could do a lot more, and I hope that 2023 is the year. So sorry, Noah. What was the uh, what was your closing My, thought? I definitely agree with you there, and I definitely you know on our January 1st episode we'll talk about what we're looking forward to in 2023. And I agree that a lot of that stuff I'm really hoping Apple does. Yeah. And. The last thing I was going to say is my last bottom tier Apple product is the system preferences app mm. on macOS Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely, bro. I agree with you 100%. I understand why they did it, but by God, I can't find anything. Yeah, it's it's not it's not very well organized and it just doesn't work like it doesn't. It's very clearly an iPad app that's running <laughs> on a Mac in in the worst way. Yeah, and it uh, it's it's really it's really bad. And oh, actually, you know, if we're talking stage software, manager. Stage Manager, Stage Manager is definitely a bottom never tier. Use it. I never oh, use God. it ever. The only time I used it was uh, when I made my video yeah. on it. And the video was about how much I didn't like it. Yeah, I tried it. I tried it once on my Mac, once on my iPad, just to try it. And I was like, okay, no, this is never, this is never turning yeah. on again. It's utterly stupid and pointless. But you know what's not utterly stupid what's and that? pointless? Our podcast. That's true. It's only partially Aww. stupid and pointless. Yes, not entirely though, and that's what counts. You know what else counts is this segue to our outro for the last episode of 2022. I'm a little bummed that we didn't end on episode 69. That would have been funny. But you know what? You win some, you lose some. And I have won the challenge for most number of transitions in a podcast outro. So I will be accepting the reward on my behalf my behalf being of course your host luke Miani. and i have been your host noah rubin you can look forward to more of this next year in 2023 have a great night or dread, dread it. it in my case <laughs>